Awesome. Thanks, Shrey. Talo falava. Um, yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about finances, and I hope it's not my last Sunday here. Linda was saying, hey, good luck. Um, but essentially, I'm going to talk about the abundant life. You know, the abundant life that God offers us it includes finances, but that's not everything, you know. Um, and it's based around John 10 verse 10. Oh. Uh, so yes, over 15 years in financial services, um, I've kind of learned and observed and grown um, a lot of, you know, through a lot of things and God has kind of shown me um, a, a, a lot of his principles and his values and what he values in the banking and financial sector. So that's what I'm kind of hoping to share today, um, as well as introduce um, CAP, Christians Against Poverty. As a church, we've part- partnered with this nonprofit organization who helps people get out of debt. They are just doing amazing things across the nation and across the world, actually, um, of helping people get out of the bondage, of essentially, slavery of of debt. So, cool, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get into it. Thank you, God, that you are good. You have good plans for us. Your purposes for us are good. You are in a good mood, Lord. And I pray that you would pour out your goodness upon us this morning as I speak about your abundance, Lord, the abundant life that you offer us. I pray that you bless my words, that I would yeah, speak your word and you would water it and let it grow. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's probably a timely message, to be fair. You know, things that you hear on the, on the news, not necessarily good news. This thing called inflation, interest rates. What does it all mean? What, is it, yeah, what, is, what does it all mean? All, all it kind of means and, and provides is people get worried and stressed out. You know, interest affects us all directly or indirectly, whether your mortgage payments go up or your rent goes up because someone else's mortgage has gone up and they have to pass that cost on to you. Um, but the good news is, is the Lord, he has, he's saying something else. He's got good news for us. And it's him who we should be focusing on. It's on Jesus. It's, he's the one that defies the laws of physics by walking on water. His heavenly economics can feed thousands with one teenage boy's extremely large lunch. He could have been sampling. I don't know. And it's his words that spoke the world into existence. And it's him who says that we can have life in abundance. You know, John 10.10, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that it may have life and have it in abundance. And in the NLT, it says, to the full or to it, till it overflows. In this verse, we get this contrast of what the, what the devil, essentially this is what the devil does in that first part of that verse. The thief comes to steal kill and destroy. Um, and then in the next part of it, it, Jesus says, I'm I'm the good shepherd. In John 10, if you read the first part of the chapter, he's talking about himself being a good shepherd. 
and this is what I bring. I come that they may have life. When we believe in Jesus, he's the son of God, that he died for our sins and he rose again. We believe that and have faith in it. We have life. The Holy Spirit comes into us and we become this new creation. That's what he's saying. I came so they may have life. In essence, it sounds really simple, right? Super simple. We believe. The guy who kicked it off, Abraham, he's counted uh, righteous because he had faith. He trusted God. He believed God. And that it's as easy as that. Like, a lot of people think when you come to God, there's going to be a whole bunch of rules. Rules for this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. You've got to read your Bible every day. But you don't have to. It's a, bit, it's a bit weird thing to say, isn't it? But we don't have to, but we get to, right? We get to. Why wouldn't you want to read a book about a God who wants to engage with you? Why wouldn't you want to read about, about a God who loves you, who shares, he's writing love letters to you. He's saying, you are good. You can do this. You, you've got what it takes. You're an overcomer. Why wouldn't I want to read about that every day? Yeah, and, and that's the truth. It's that simple. To be part of God's family, we believe. But in the second part, it's, it's almost like a sales pitch. Jesus is like, but wait, there's more. I've come to have life, but have it in abundance. God doesn't settle with just life. You know, he wants us to have more peace, more joy, more love, more freedom. God is the most free being out there. You know, he wants you to be free. He doesn't, he doesn't do rules. He does this, relationship, friendship. That's where he's taking us. But yeah, I'm going to kick it off with abundant finances, really. He wants our finances to be abundant, to be full and to overflow. There are a couple of elephants in the room when it comes to finances. You know, um, probably the first one is the prosperity gospel. Probably 90s, 2000s, prosperity gospel was about you've got to give all your money to God. All your money to God and he will bless you. Which is technically true. Like, but motive matters, right? If I'm giving just to get something... That's essentially that's self-centered. But truth is all is, isn't necessarily all equal, right? First um, Corinthians thirteen that that Trey talked about. The, in the end of of he's talking about love. There's three things that remain: faith, hope, and love, all true. But he says the greatest of these is love. Not all truth is held equal. Um, and so, while the prosperity gospel was true, we were, the church as a whole, were probably shouting something that God was only whispering. Or we emphasized something that God didn't want, wasn't necessarily emphasizing. And the flip side of that was the poverty gospel. 
you know, um, people centuries ago equated uh, poverty with, with holiness. We need to give all our stuff, all our material belongings away because that made us holy. Because we, we, we were dying to the world and that made us holy. But whether on, you're on one extreme or the other, both were not, not necessarily wholly true. And th- there's another elephant in the room is that money is the root of all evil. Has anyone heard that? Yeah, money is the root of all evil. If you read the verse, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth, faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's the, it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Whereas people ch- change that in their minds to money was the root of all evil. Money is actually neutral. If I had a table full of a million dollars worth of cash and we sat it there, it would just sit there. It would do nothing. It's just plastic. It's a paper. But it's when a human comes in with our motives and intentions, it, that could be distorted. So what I'm trying to say is it's good to have money, but it's not good for money to have you. Like how much is too much before I get corrupted? Like sometimes we don't trust ourselves enough, you know? Like, oh, money, it's going to corrupt me. But it's, it's actually not the amount of money. It's, it's the amount of money that shifts your trust from God to money. It could be $100 for someone. It could be $1,000 for someone. It could be $10,000 for another. It could be a million dollars for someone else. It could be a billion. It's whatever moves that trust from God to money. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, Those who trust in, in their riches will fall, but the righteous will f- thrive like a green leaf. And I suppose those elephants, like, to react against the abuses of the past actually creates a bigger problem. Like, when we stop talking about finances, we, we've actually stepped out, stepped back from somewhere God wants us to be. There's a seat that we've vacated where he wants us to sit, to sit in responsibility because we we're seated in the heavenly realms um, with him. And he's like, no, 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 we need to be there and we need to lead it. We'll, we'll be, be servants in it with, anyway, at, at, at the least. Um, I, I remember, I think it was between the 80s and 90s, the church as a whole stepped, stepped back from prophecy and prophetic. And it created this gap here. It, essentially, we vacated a seat that God didn't want us to vacate. And what it did is it created this the spiritist movement and psychics and mediums rose up and filled that void between because people still wanted to hear from God and and the prophets and the prophetic part of the church is here to equip the saints to teach them to speak or to hear from God 
It's like, hey, this is how we're here. But when, when the church moves out of that place, something else fills it. Or it's left empty and no one learns. Um, and that's what I feel called to, to do here. You know, I feel called to finances, to educate, to empower, to teach, to grow, because that's what, essentially that's what, that's the journey I've, I've been on my whole life. But yeah, it's, it's important that we, we, we talk about it. Because I grew, I grew up in a family of nine. Um, I have three brothers and three sisters. My mum and dad are from the islands, from Samoa. Um, they had nothing. We grew up with less than that. Um, and food was, food was uh, a gift, essentially, from the food bank. I love those guys. I give, I, I give to them now because of the gifts they, they, they gave to me as a kid. Um, but my, my parents, I suppose, they came from a different age. Jesus tells us to be aware of the ages we're in. And they came from Samoa, which was still in the agricultural age, right? They went out and they got food from the plantation. They got food from the sea, fish, and it was great. They ate it, and that was, it was there for the day because they know they could go back out tomorrow and go and get it. Like, didn't have to save anything. They, they saved by looking after the plantation. And then when they came to New Zealand, they skipped an age, right? There was industrial age. They skipped that, and they came straight into the information and information age where we are. So they were quite far back. And um, so they didn't understand what it me- meant to borrow money to lend, like how much, what interest was. Um, financial literacy was was basically non-existent. They were trying to use um, agricultural age principles to live in this first world, where they came from a developing world. Um, so we we struggled. There was someone knocking at the door, and I, I didn't know who it was, but it was a debt collector. And mum would be frantically running around for trying to find money. Or I'm like, hey, that guy's here again. Who is he? They wouldn't say who. But I could just tell that there was stress whenever this guy turned up. So I know what it's like to be, I know to have nothing. And now I'm, I'm walking in God's goodness um, of what my parents labored for. You know? But yes, Jesus wants us to be abundant in finances. Um, but mainly because... Oh, well, he talks a lot about finances, but mainly he, he talks about finance because the things we learn when we steward our finances are so transferable. The skills that, that we learn when we manage our finances as well transfer to all areas of our lives. Investment, you know, savings. You know, if we invest in our money, we, we invest in our relationships, our marriages, what, what we invest in, in our marriages, we, we get back. Like we invest, if we're studying, if we're students, we study. If we invest, if we spend time learning our subject, honing our craft, we get that back. If, you're, if you play sports, you know, Conrad, we've talked about, you know, rugby. I'm not going to talk about rugby today. All I'm going to say is congratulations, South Africa. <laughs> enough said, enough said. Bless you, bless you. Lord, help the All Blacks. Um, you, you know, you have to invest time and effort 
you know, it takes a lot, but you get that back. You get stronger, you get fitter, you get faster. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start with a couple of stories that Jesus, Jesus talked about. If you've got your Bibles um, or your apps, turn to Matthew 25, 14, uh, verse 14 to 30. And it's the parable of the talents. I'm going to read it out. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Say that after me, each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. That's the key. There's a reason for that. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Repeat after me. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. He said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who received one bag of gold. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I've harvested. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. And give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, wow, that last bit, eh? Always gets me. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're a harsh guy. But this is what he says. This is how the kingdom works, right? What he's saying is, he's talking about faithfulness. In the kingdom, if we look after what we get, what we have, we will get more. And the flip side is, if you don't look after what you get, it will be taken away from you. Either if you haven't managed, it 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 could be wasted and disappears or frittered away. So, God wants us to be faithful with our finances. But the cool thing is we get a choice. Because God is all about freedom, right? He He loves free will, and we get to choose. We get to decide. But the choice is a bit of a no-brainer, right? It's a no-brainer. It's kind of like when my kids were young, 
I'll be like, hey, if you finish your veggies, you get, the, you get ice cream, you get pudding. Like, and then on the flip side of that, if you don't, you get to watch me eat your pudding. <laughs> Either way, someone's get, I'm getting pudding. Like, there's a good choice and there's a bad choice. It's really simple. And, like, everyone, everyone is given something. Like, whether it be a skill, a gift, uh, a small amount of money. You know, I remember in the early days, we, my, my, we rented our whole lives. Um, but my, I always remember my mum waking up early. Um, you know, there was nine of us in this three-bedroom house. And condensation just pouring down the windows. Water about that thick on the windowsills. But my mum was up every morning wiping it down. And my mum was faithful what what we had. And it was it was little. It was really little. Luke sixteen eleven. So if you have been trustworthy and handling world, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Did you know that God God wants us to find out what his true riches are. He doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for, for us, and he's waiting for us to find them, to explore them, because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. We become kings when we venture out and we find, we understand the depths of God. And it's, there's some, true things that he wants us to learn when we manage our money right. And you're like, like what? Has anyone seen The Karate Kid? Yeah? It's a good movie. Don't know, well, there's, isn't there Cobra Kai on Netflix or something? Um, that's, that's a new one. But the, co- the Karate Kid, he, he is, um, it's about this kid called Daniel. He's getting bullied. Um, and this Mr. Miyagi jumps out and defends him from these bullies, and Mr. Miyagi knows karate, right? It's a movie from the 80s, so show my age. Elliot, shush. Um, and he goes, and he goes, oh, Mr. Miyagi, you've got to teach me how to do karate. He's like, okay, okay, cool. Day one, he turns up for his lesson, and Mr. Miyagi goes, oh, he, you, here you go. And he's like, what are these? And he goes, oh, these are, you know, you've got a sand. You got to sand the decks. And he's like, "Well, I thought you I'm t- teaching you karate." And he's like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah." After this, and so he spends the whole day sanding Mr. Miyagi's deck. And I'm like, Mr. Miyagi's deck looks good by the end of it, right? And Daniel's like tired. He's sore. He's like, "When are we going to do karate?" And Mr. Miyagi goes, "Come back tomorrow, and um, you'll learn. You'll learn karate." He comes back the next day, and he goes, "Oh, let's learn karate." And he goes, "No, no, no, no. You got to wax these cars." And he's got all these cars, and he's he's like, "Okay, cool. Wax on." Wax off. Well, wax on, wax off. And so he goes and does that, and he's tired, and he comes back the next day. Mr. Miyagi's not even there. It's just a note saying, can you um, paint the house? He's like, what? And so he paints his house. He paints his whole house. Mr. Miyagi gets there at night with his fish. Mr. Miyagi's been fishing without Daniel, and he's like, you didn't even tell me you'd gone fishing. I'm supposed to be here learning karate. And he's like, oh, Mr. Miyagi, I've had enough. I'm, I'm gone. I'm leaving. And he goes to leave, and then 
Mr. Miyagi goes, Daniel son, come here. Um, show me sand the floor. And Daniel goes down to sit and he goes, no, 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 stand up. And he does these motions and Mr. Miyagi starts hitting him and he blocks him with the sand the floor move, right? And then he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, don't watch the movie. This is the punchline. <laughs> and, um, he, uh, and he goes, okay. And then he goes to punch him again. And he goes, but do wax on, wax off. And he blocks him with wax on, wax off. And he goes, okay, cool. Now paint the, oh, paint the fence. That's another one. I missed that one. Paint the fence. And he blocks Mr. Miyagi with paint the fence. He's like, ah, ah, this, te- this technique. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. And then he goes, okay, now do paint the, paint the house. And, um, which is like that. So, oh, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell I've done karate? No. And so he blocks Mr. Miyagi with send the dicks, wax on, wax off, paint the fence, and paint the house. And Danielson has this realization. He's like, oh, my goodness. I've been learning karate all along. And that's the same with us when we learn about finances. When we create a budget, right, we are creating a plan for our money. That's all it is. When you hear the word budget, people freak out. But it's just a plan. Like, everyone should go into something with a plan. Sports teams do. You know, the All Blacks probably working on plan six, I think. Five losses. But what does that build? Perseverance. It's one of the true riches of God. That's what God wants us to learn. Don't give up. Often, when I've, I've seen often the first budget, second budget, third budget, doesn't work. People give up. But when you go for the fourth, fifth, sixth, it creates perseverance. Perseverance, character. That's what God wants to teach us. And once you've got, you know, your budget sorted, you know, you've got a savings plan. Saving for emergencies, saving for holiday, emergency for fixing the car, any kind of thing that comes up, gifting. You know, oh, oh we in, in Samoan culture, it's called what's love love that's, that's when weddings or, or funerals or th- big things happen, and we, we give money to that. When I was growing up, they got loans for them. But the Lord told me, no, 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 you need to save for that because that will come. Be ready. And what does that savings create? A bit of peace. A little bit of peace. Because you know that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sweet for that because I've got that saved. And what do, you, what do you do from there? You keep saving. You build a bit more faith, a bit more confidence, and that grows, a bit more peace, just through creating a budget. And that grows and grows and grows, and all of a sudden, you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, I've got an abundance. I've got heaps of savings. I'm not worried, I'm not, I'm not anxious about that anymore, because God has helped me with this plan that I've submitted to the Lord and he determines my steps. 
And that just continues, like that compounds on itself. You know, then you start getting an interest in it, and you're like, oh, maybe I should find out how much that loan is costing me. And then you start learning about interest rates. Your, your knowledge base increases. You are growing in wisdom and knowledge. These are the things that God wants us to learn. But it all starts with obedience. Like Mr. Miyagi, God doesn't necessarily provide you rationale for what he's doing. What he wants is obedience because obedience requires trust. Obedience actually grows you in humility. Because when you listen to God, it's someone else's point of view. And you are humbling yourself to listen to someone else's advice. And then you get a bit of humility. And then you go, oh, I should probably listen to God more. He's actually, he's on a good thing. And then you gain more humility. And then all of a sudden you're living this abundant life. That's where the Lord's taking us. And we go from obedience to trust to abundance and friendship. That's where all the revelation comes. We can get it through study, but most, most of the time revelation, revelation comes through friendship. That's what he wants. He wants to know he can trust us. Cool. And the other thing from that parable is that God says there's hope, right? You don't have to stay where you are. If you started with two, you can get four. There's hope there. Cool, we're going to go into the parable of the miners next. Luke 19, verse 11 to 27. How am I going for time? Don't worry, I'm not going to give you a Samoan preach, which is about two hours. Give you a 30-minute one. Okay, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So when he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners, oh, so then he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners. Put this to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him. We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for his servants to whom he had given money in order to find out what they did with it. First one came and said, Sir, your miner has earned ten more. What are my good servant? His master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take, ch- take charge of ten cities. Second came and said, Sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Another servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what did you not sow. What you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You you knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you put my why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, 
take his miner away and give it to the one who has 10 miners. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for those who, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Cool. So this parable, uh, oh, sorry, a miner is just the amount of money. Sorry, just explain that. Uh, but this parable is very similar to the first one. It sounds exactly the same. There are slight differences, though. Um, in the first one, the guy, he said, I made money. I, you know, one, one, two bags of gold. I made two more bags of gold. And this one, he says, your money made two more. When I, when I worked in retail banking, essentially that's, that's what personal banking is. It's looking after individuals, mums, dads, households. That, that's what retail banking is. In the end of my banking career, I worked in commercial banking. And so this is looking after large businesses uh, that turn over 25 million plus a year. Um, and yeah, that's what I did there. And what the Lord is saying here, he's saying, he wants us to learn that there are ecosystems of finance. Um, when I was in primary school, I learned about the cycle of water, right? It rains, goes down this little hill, down to rivers, and it goes out to the sea, and then it evaporates again, and it becomes a cloud system. Like God create, created that system. And in this parable, he's saying, I want you to understand, as a church, the systems of finance. And probably the best example of this is, is, is in commercial banking, I you know, go out and meet clients, you know, take them to rugby games, buy them lunch, make them happy, make them want to stay with our bank. Um, and one customer we went to, went to visit was, I knew them. They, they now, they ran this massive supermarket in, in Wellington, which turned over about $40 million a year. And I was like, wow, hey guys, so good to see you. And they're like, Willie, what are you doing there? And uh, like, but and I said, how did you get here? And they told me about, oh, Willie, when you knew us, we, we ran this little dairy. You're like, you know, and I'm like, hey, I did not steal any lollies, lollies from your dairy. And this dairy was in the Bronx of Palmerston North. That's where I grew up. And it, there was gangs, Mungrel Mall, Black Power used to fight over these shops. There was shootings. Some people died back then. Well, they still die now, sorry. Um, but there was a few um, killings. And these guys, they said, well, you know what? We really, we really loved that dairy. We put our heart and soul into that place, and it became really successful. Um, you know, we used to serve all, all the, the whole community, the, the gangs, the people, um, and a bit, we, we got asked to look after a, a large dairy. And so, so we did. I mean, they went and looked after this kind of medium-sized dairy, and they go, yeah, we did well there too. We had to, we had to hire more staff um, because we were doing so well. And then we got approached to look after a, a small um, supermarket, like a Metro One, which didn't have quite everything, but it had, had enough. And, and we, did, we did really well there. You know, we had to get even more staff, pay more people, um, 
fund households and serve a larger community. And after that, we got a, a medium-sized supermarket. Same thing happened there. And then they were in this large supermarket. This is before all the prices were crazy. Right? So 30 to 36 to 40 mil a year was really good. And, and the Lord kind of told me that, you know, these people understand my principles of finances. So I gave them, I increased the city. Well, the city is like a metaphor for, could be a community, could be a group of people, could be a suburb, an area. And I increased their capacity because they were faithful. They used the money to make more money to help people's household, pay their bills, feed their kids, as well as we served a greater area. I was like, whoa, that's what it means. That's what this one's talking about, using money to make more money. The Lord is looking for, for people he can trust with his, with his finances because he wants to bless us. That is his heart. He is he is ultimately good. But what he doesn't want to do is crush us with blessing. Has anyone heard about the, in, in many cases, the lottery winners who win a million, two, five, six, seven, eight million, and they end up with, you know, their lives being wrecked because they became richer on the outside than they were on the inside. You know, they got that promotion too quickly. They hadn't been grown from the inside out because that's, that's, that's what God wants to do us. He wants to bless us, but he doesn't want to crush us. He's in his mercy, in his wisdom, he's good. You know, it's the story of Joseph, right? Rich on the inside. He ended up a slave at Potiphar's house. Oh, this guy's clever. You can look after my whole household. He gets framed, ends up in prison. What happens there? He ends up running the prison. Prophetic word comes. Pharaoh has a dream. Thank goodness for dreams. Otherwise, he would have stayed in prison. And he ends up serving Pharaoh, saving a nation, saving the known world, really. By saving. Saving seed. Even even the, the building project, right, that we're, we're looking to to build, that's a journey in itself. And the God is taking us step by step. You know, we had that small the small hub on Tennyson. That was a step, a step of faith. Builds our faith, builds our confidence. We can take another step, and now we've got good growth. You know, he's taking us on this journey. And what he wants us to do is grow Grow in our faith, grow in our relationships and how we deal with and how we relate to one another and how we relate to the community around us, you know, council. We, we need favor with council to get our building. You know, he is watching and he is seeing how we deal with these little things so he can give us more. And cool, I'm going to, my time is almost up, so I'm going to touch on I'm being generous, right? Uh, when people talk about generosity, they always talk about giving money. But like Dre said before, 
It's not necessary about that. You know, Nat and I were out for a walk the other day, and I was, you know, just sometimes you just walk and you're like in a zombie-like, zombie apocalypse state, and you're just like, and this, this lady walks past, and she had this awesome smile. It was like, I was like, oh, hey. You know, it, it was so generous. You know, all it can take is a smile to change someone's day. It kind of forced me to smile. A fake smile, but it was like, oh. And then I smiled after that because I had a fake smile. And I was laughing at myself. But yeah, how we relate to people is being generous. Like, everything you see here today was put up by a pack-up crew. We've got, you know, Cornerstone Kids out there. Those guys serving, that's being generous. Taking their time and their effort, their skill to look after kids. That's being generous. doesn't have to be money. It can be doesn't have to be. The cool thing about, yeah, like I said before, whatever you invest in grows. So if you are wanting to get more money, make sure you invest money. You know, it kind of makes sense. You know, make sure the seeds you sow is what you're after. If you don't have friends, what are you going to sow? You're going to be friendly. Yep, you're going to be friendly. Friendly to people, to get friends. It's, it sounds obvious. But people go, man, I don't have friends. I'm like, have you tried being friendly? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't have money. I'm like, have you tried saving it? No. That's, that sounds ridiculous, Willie. What are you talking about? Like, you know, do you want a, a relationship with your grandparent? Your grandchild? Your brother? Your sister? Whatever you invest in, if you invest your time in that, that will grow. Your sport, you know, I'm trying to teach Ruben to be the next uh, LeBron James. <laughs> Makes an NBA, he's my cash cow. <laughs> Investing a lot of time, effort into No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe second draft pick? No. But, you know, we invest in our children because we want them to grow and like, you know, this was awesome today, Did it, baby dedications, that's, we're investing in our little ones so early, you know, supported by family. Like, that's an abundance, right? Abundance of family, so good. And last about being generous, like, when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. Like, it's in Proverbs somewhere. Um, and it just reminds me of Cornelius' story. You all know who Cornelius is? He, he wasn't a Christian, but he, he prayed to the Lord, and he gave gifts to the poor. And the, I don't know, I'm just picturing it in my mind, it's kind of made up, like God was walking around heaven, and then he's like, whoa, what's this? It's a new monument in heaven. Oh, it's got, who's Cornelius? A monument rose up in heaven because of his gifts to the poor and his prayers. And God was like, oh, is he saved? Let's go get him, get him saved. Angels come down and they talk to Peter and they tell him, he has this vision of eating non-clean things that in his custom he wasn't supposed to do. And then then he has this, real happens three times in a row, has this realization that, um, oh, What's, what's unclean? God has called it clean, so who am I 
And then he goes to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius is saved. Through his prayers, doesn't even know God, but he's giving to the poor. He's lending to the Lord. But yeah, being abundant in your finance is a journey. Just like your journey with God. But yeah, I'm going to finish up here so I can talk a bit about CAP. Um, but yeah, when you, when you receive eternal life um, and you believe in God, and God comes into your heart, right? It's like drinking a nice, cool water when you're so thirsty, right? And that just stays and, you know, it doesn't, doesn't go dry. It becomes as well within you. But when you understand that there's, he's got so much more for you, Right? There's, there's, there's no end to God. We will spend eternity uh, exploring the depths of who God is. Like when you understand there's so much more that he wants to pour on you, his spirit, his presence, his love, that's like being in God. Like God's in us, but he wants us to be in him. It's, it's like jumping in the ocean, right? And that's where... That's where he's taking us. Cool. So I'm just going to talk about CAP now, but I think the best way to do it is to just show you a video of what they're doing, really, and then I'll, I'll go from there. This is their website, capnz.org, and there is, if you are struggling in debt right now, I recommend you call these guys. They will, essentially they intercede on your behalf with the debt collectors. They do all of that. And they negotiate everything for you. If you're struggling right now in debt, and it's with, yeah, people are chasing you down, I say, call these guys. Well, if you know someone, get them to call Cap. But yeah, hopefully this works. Fingers crossed. I was living in a single room with my son um, in what was actually a garage. At that time, I felt like things were quite helpless. And that makes you stay awake at night makes you not want to get up in the morning all at the same time. It's, it's hideous. I'd lost myself completely under mounds of debt that I had incurred through all sorts of things that can happen to almost anyone in life. The different things that would happen, like birthday parties, and you want to be looking forward to it, and you want to be supporting your son and getting him excited, and what does he want to choose his friend for his friend's birthday? And, and instead, you're actually really worried about how you're going to eat the next week after after you've bought this present and it's something so simple I felt really like worthless like I wasn't a good enough mum and like I was holding my son back I was genuinely terrified that I wasn't going to be able to keep on being a mum if I didn't get more income and organise our lives because I couldn't I couldn't even feed us or you know we'd got to a point where we'd be living in a garage and I, I just didn't feel I was a good mum anyway so I couldn't figure out what to do I found out about CAP when I was sitting in the WINS office, in the welfare office, and I saw a poster on their wall, so I called them, but it was, it was quite scary to actually call them. The first phone call to CAP was good because they prayed with me, they cared about my life. They seemed to care about me more than my debt, actually, is what it was, is, is they were really interested in me, me and my son, and not the debt. When they sent around a lady called Vanessa, it was the first time that someone had told me I was doing well. 
And when, when she said that, um, I couldn't believe it. Um, but I was determined to get to a place where I believed it. In my first visit um, with Vanessa, she prayed with me and um, asked for that Lord's support to come into my life and to shelter me from the storms. And I really, I really was moved by that. Things will get hard and they will go up and they will go down, but you're not alone anymore. And so it's instantly, it's better. It's not the same as before you've made that phone call. You're never alone again. They work very hard to make sure of it. It's like there's this team of people that are there representing God's love on earth that won't judge you. How things have changed brought so much hope that if I was surviving before, gosh, I must really have a chance at living soon. When Cap called me to say that I was debt free, it was like this relief switch had just gone off and it actually felt so crazy. I went with it, so I just whooped and hollered. I did a crazy dance, lost focus completely. Can't remember anything else about that day. It was debt free day. <laughs> now that I'm on the other side of this debt journey where I'm, I'm actually able to start planning my life, I'm able to start believing that I'm actually worth this and this is gonna turn out okay. That help that people have put into this CAT organisation and the time and the effort and everything that everybody does in every single prayer is priceless. I get to be a mum um, and before I really didn't feel like I got to be a mum. I felt like I, I felt like it was just a joke. It was so hard and it was like I was um, pretending or something. It didn't feel real. I didn't feel like I could really be a mum. Like when he would say, oh, you know, let's do this, it would be straight away, that feeling would be worry, it wouldn't be excitement. That was before, now it's like, let's do it. When can we do it? Let's make it happen. And that's, it's a whole new world. That's what being a mum is. You make it happen. <laughs> it's cool. I love it. It's the best time in my life now. It really is. <laughs> awesome eh? so cool um so yes so cap is launching this week we partner with them if you want to donate yeah um you know we'll have their details on our facebook facebook page but as well as that as well as some practical stuff um we've got sorted so we've started cornerstone financial so this is a private facebook page for all of us anyone who wants to learn more about finances it'll it'll be a range of everything you know, from loans, KiwiSaver, um, investments, budgeting, anything. Just a conversation, really, uh, to, with the goal of increasing our financial literacy and, and well-being. Because, you know, the stats out there from Retirement Commission, um, they did a survey a couple of years ago that financial um, hardship and well-being was extremely low. It was causing a lot of, you know, especially with the pandemic happening, um, causing a lot of families to break up. As we as we know, strong families will will change the world. So we can help help do that. that that's cool. So that'll be up later on. I'm running uh, a cap money course uh, towards the end of this month, um, but all the details will be online, um, which is cool too. But that's it. I'm going to pray. If if you could stand, I'm going to pray for you all.
Um, if you need a financial breakthrough, or if you want more from the Lord, if you just put your hands out. If you need a breakthrough in your mind, just put your hands out to the Lord, just as if He's just going to pour something on you, like He's just going to dump something on you, some something good. If you need healing, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. Oh, Father God, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy, your grace. I thank you that there's always more in you. There's always more. Lord, and I just pray that you would bless everyone here this morning. Bless them financially, Lord. Bless them spiritually, mentally. Lord, bless their families. Bless their workplaces. Bless their homes. But Lord, I pray that that we would step towards you, Lord. Take a step. That you would guide us, Lord. You would lead us. You are the good shepherd. And you lead us beside still waters. You make us lie down in good pasture. Lord, I pray that you just pour out your goodness over us all this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.